0: Welcome to the podcast, The Winning Combo, your home for wisdom on marketing and sales success. Featuring your host, Keith Washoe from Research Triangle Park, North Carolina, and Vijay Damo-Japrapu from Silicon Valley, California. From coast to coast, let the wisdom begin so you can become a winner. Here are your hosts, Keith and Vijay. Welcome to the Winning Combo Sales and Marketing Success Podcast. I'm your host, Keith Washoe in Research Triangle Park, North Carolina, alongside with my co-host, BJ Dhammajaprapu out of Silicon Valley. We're very excited to bring you a special guest on today's 19th podcast. It's Ryan Crodel, VP of Valencell out of Raleigh, North Carolina. Now, Ryan is an innovative senior executive of more than 17 years of global marketing and strategy experience. He's worked both for large marketing teams and small marketing teams doing everything from corporate strategy and planning to the actual tactical execution of strategies to achieve growth targets. He's currently leading marketing at Valencell, which develops high performance biometric sensor technology. Now, prior to Valencell, Ryan led marketing to functions for Sixfusion, building global market awareness and scaling adoption of Sixfusion technology. He's also a good husband, a father of two kids, and a fitness health enthusiast. So Ryan, welcome to the podcast. You happen to be our first guest from the consumer tech wearable space, so we're super thrilled to have you. Thank you. How are you today?
1: Keith, I'm doing great, thanks, and very happy to be here. I really appreciate you having me on. I love what you guys are doing with the Winning Combo podcast, so I'm honored to be a part of it
0: couldn't ask for a better guest, someone who's lived and breathed marketing and sales like you have. I know you're going to add a lot of great wisdom for our listeners. Let's also not forget our winning combo podcast show, co-host in Silicon Valley. It's Vijay Damajaprapu. VJ, how are you doing?
2: Doing wonderful, Keith. And uh, welcome, Ryan. Looking forward to having you on our podcast and having you share the advice to all our listeners.
0: All right. Well, it is showtime. Tune in, grab a cup of coffee, a cocktail, whatever it is that floats your boat. It's time to start the 19th podcast, and here are the three power segments we're going to focus on today. First, Ryan's going to lead off with a top sales or marketing power quote to help you gain wisdom very quickly that you can apply to your work. Secondly, Ryan's going to share a personal story so you can learn from his winning or past mistakes that you can utilize for your career. And lastly, Ryan will close with one key marketing or sales best practice as a takeaway that you can implement to your personal and professional life for good results. All right, Ryan, is that okay? for you and you ready to begin?
1: Looking forward to it. Let's go.
0: All right. Well, kick us off with the power quote segment. Let's hear your power quote and what it means to you, Ryan.
1: Great. So yeah, I've I've always been a huge fan of Mark Benioff, the, the founder of Salesforce.com. And way back in 2007, he, uh, he did an article or did an interview with Forbes and had a quote in there that has really always stuck with me. And I, I find myself always coming back to. And the The quote is, always pitch the bigger picture. And his point there is, find the the larger macro level trends that are propelling your market opportunity and take the lead in moving that market opportunity and those macro trends forward, not just pitching your product or your company. And uh, in the early days of Salesforce, they, they did this masterfully, if you recall uh, they, the, uh, Salesforce was all about the, the end of software and software as a service. Back then, most software was deployed on-premise and uh, required large uh, implementation fees and long implementation timeframes. And the fact that Salesforce was one of the, one of the first certainly large-scale SaaS platforms uh, they used to their advantage uh, to position themselves against Siebel, uh, which was their main competitor at the time, which had far more uh, in terms of feature functionality and capabilities in the product. But of course, it was a multimillion dollar implementation and usually 12 to 18 months at the least before that would be up and running. Whereas with Salesforce, you... Signed up and logged in through a browser and you were up and running uh, for all intents and purposes. So they, uh, But you saw Benioff and Salesforce take the lead on software as a service as a whole and cloud computing as a whole. Um, and uh, Salesforce.com, the company and the CRM product, happened to come along with that.
0: I love it, Ryan. Thank you for kicking off with this power quote, really about always pitch on the bigger picture. What I really love about it is it ties into the importance of sharing your vision and the big why, the why behind what you're doing in terms of how it can help the customer be part of the bigger picture picture that is changing the world and impacting their industry. It really uh, makes me think about the importance of showing yourself as a leader and as a change agent. And you're like, come on, get on board. We're making things happen and helping them see the bigger picture on that and being part of it versus let me show you my bells and whistles. So thank you. Thank you for that. So Ryan, I guess my first question for you on this quote, is can you do you have an example in your life where let's use Valence as an example? You've been working very hard, at one of my favorite companies here in Raleigh on the biometric space and wearables. Is there an example of where you've been pitching the big vision versus being caught up in the minutiae or the feature benefits? Maybe to share a little bit personal example there.
1: Yeah, that's uh, I, I've certainly applied this um this strategy and this this quote at Valencew. And um so just quick background on cell we make the biometric sensor technology that goes into wearable devices. And the easy way to think about it is the green blinking lights on the back of a smartwatch or a fitness band. Uh, that's very likely our technology. And what we provide is that core technology that helps uh, measure heart rate and other biometrics. But we also uh, recognize and and put at the forefront of our marketing and our messaging and our our sales messages is... That at the end of the day, we recognize that these devices are just data collection platforms. And what really matters is what you do with that data, putting that data in the right context and making it actionable for the people who are wearing these devices, whether they're trying to run a marathon or run a 5K or just get in uh, in overall better better fitness and uh, better health, or maybe they're trying to manage a disease. There's a variety of different applications for this, but it's important to keep the end in mind and uh, understand that the, 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 the larger picture here is how that data is used to help someone accomplish a goal and ultimately live a longer, healthier life. It just so happens that we sell sensor technology that enables that to happen.
0: I love it, Ryan. Thank you for sharing that. I love how you make it very personal, and you have you answer the big why in all you do there, which everyone can relate to in terms of the bigger picture. Thank you for that. All right, Vijay, What say you? Any thoughts or questions for Ryan on this great quote?
2: Yeah, great quote there, Ryan. I think uh, that, that's a wonderful encapsulation of what marketing leaders do and leaders in general. Right? It's all about how you paint the big picture, the big vision, and you bring your prospects and your customers along. And essentially the code, or the example that comes to my mind is always about how you sell a better version of the prospect to themselves, that that's how you lead. And so when you mention that code, I think it's a great example of how marketing and sales teams should be pitching and bringing their customers and prospects along. Thanks once again. Wow, VJ, look at you busting out an awesome quote that I've never heard of how you make your prospects
0: a better version of themselves. Bring it <laughs> on. Ryan, any thoughts on that, Ryan?
1: Yeah, you know, that's um, it. It's, first and foremost, storytelling is critical for marketing, no matter what industry you're in, even if it's deep core technology or enterprise software or whatever it might be. Storytelling and making it personal. Is uh, is really critical to uh, accelerating sales cycles and overall uh, increasing the the value of the the organization you're involved in. So um, that's that's an underlying element of this. Always pitching the bigger picture is the the fundamental notion of of storytelling, and it's it's critical to to make those uh, those buyers whoever's buying your product into. Uh, into the hero, if you will, and bring them along uh, on the journey that that you can uh, help them accomplish.
0: All right. Well, thank you, Ryan. Speaking of stories, let's move on to the second part of the podcast. This is the Power Story. And this is an opportunity for Ryan for you to share a personal story in your life on sales and marketing success or failure for our audience. So Ryan, why don't you kick it off with a personal story here? Yeah,
1: this was, uh, there's always uh, a lot to choose from, of course. Uh, and uh, if you've uh, been at this for a while, so, um, uh, the, the thing I think that, that, um, would be most interesting to talk about here is, is, um, something that may on the surface sound very obvious. And that's, that's making sure that your marketing efforts and all of the, all of the things you're doing from a marketing standpoint are always, directly aligned with the company objectives, not just marketing for marketing sake. And yes, that's very easy to say, but it's, it's much harder to do in practice, particularly in larger organizations, larger marketing teams, where um, the, the, the further you get away from the, um, the uh, immediate uh, goals of the company, the harder it is to see how that uh, how your day to day activities have an impact on those goals, but um, it, it's just it's far too easy to get stuck in in the inertia or the the just emotion of the expected or the traditional marketing initiatives. Uh, but if you always maintain that focus on the objectives first, uh, then um, uh, the strategies and tactics, it's it's very easy to see. Uh, should we do this marketing campaign or should we do this marketing initiative well does it which of the company goals or which of the company objectives is that going to directly impact and if it if the answer is well we're not sure or it's not going to impact a, a, a company objective then you probably shouldn't be doing it um, and, and so I'll give you another example out of a cell right now one of the So we have two primary objectives that that, uh, um, we are focused on as an organization. One, of course, is driving revenue. And we have very aggressive as a venture-backed organization, like most venture-backed organizations. We have very, uh, very aggressive growth targets and and, uh, revenue goals. And so driving revenue is always uh, a a prime focus for uh, everything I'm doing from a marketing standpoint. But then there's also uh, the secondary goal of uh, increasing the enterprise value of the organization. And of course, there's a lot of overlap between increasing the the valuation of the company and um, the the revenue goals and targets, but they're not always uh, exactly the same. And so anytime I am uh, putting together a marketing plan or uh, evaluating an option for a, a marketing initiative... If it's not either driving revenue or increasing the value of the company, then I'm probably going to say no to it.
0: Yeah, I love it. Thank you for that personal story and how you've applied that to your to your life and to Valence on your work. I, I really like this uh, story you shared in, in terms of staying focused as a marketer and not getting lost in the art form or the creative aspect of marketing for the sake of marketing. Just like we always talk about engineering sometimes, like to engineer stuff for the sake of engineering, and and just because it's fun to them, but does the market really need it? And and in this case, it's like marketing can do some cool creative stuff, but is it really in alignment with the company objectives and the mission and the aim? And so always checking yourself on that truism or that reality is super important. So thank you for calling that out. It reminds me of this quote that I heard from Toby Preston, a, a sales leader at Qualcomm when I was there, who said, hey, Keith, remember when you... You go into the swamp, and you're there to drain the swamp. And then you find yourself up to your knees in alligators. It's like, don't get so caught up in fighting alligators. Remember, your main mission was to drain the swamp. So, so keep focused on that. So so thank you for that, Ryan. Is there any, I just this is just a fun question for you. Any quotes come to mind for you when you think about this story that, that maybe is relative to this that you want to share or any other kind of insight around this this point? Yeah. So
1: the the one thing that I um, also come back to as kind of a a corollary to that um, uh, to that approach is uh, so there's a venture capitalist in Los Angeles called Mark Suster uh, at Upfront Ventures. and, And he has and I'm paraphrasing here. I don't remember what his exact quote is, but he's always he always makes the point of make forward progress every day even if it's just small progress, make some forward progress every single day. Some days you're going to make huge progress. Other days you're going to um, maybe make smaller progress. But um, the, the the theory and the, the the notion behind that being nothing's going to happen unless you make it happen. So uh, wake up every day and, and think, what are you going to make happen today? And make that forward progress every single day. Again, align with those uh, objectives of the organization.
0: Thank you for that, Ryan. Yep. Just like sports, it's a game of inches, right? Just get going 10 yards for a first down. Just get those couple of yards. All right. Uh, that's right. Vijay, what say you? Any questions, thoughts for Ryan?
2: Yeah, Ryan, I think uh, that's a wonderful way for you or anyone as a marketing leader, how they assess their priorities and give guidance to their marketing team, as well as align the sales teams and the leadership broadly right? It comes down to how you're prioritizing your activities in line with the corporate objectives. And for you, I think you called out in given your circumstances and your situation, it's all about how you drive revenue and how you drive the valuation of balance sales. So absolutely relevant. So that's also in line with the major trend that's happening with marketing leaders and the CMOs broadly, which is There's a clear urgency and a drive for making marketing a revenue center versus a cost center. So you sharing that key practice or best practice is very relevant in these times. Absolutely. Now pivoting a bit, right? So question for you. Obviously, there are activities that where you can draw the line and connect the dots from hey, doing this activity leads to this amount of dollars or reduces the customer acquisition costs. But then there are also the other activities which are not so tangible, specifically around brand building and community building activities. So can you share your thoughts on how you evaluate and prioritize those and what advice you can give to our listeners?
1: Yeah, it's a great question, and um, while uh, ROI on marketing activities has certainly gotten better with, uh, with a lot of the the digital marketing mediums that we use today, still nothing perfect, especially when you get into uh, areas around communications and brand building and awareness building, uh, but there are tools and, and capabilities that uh, can help tie those brand building efforts to awareness of the organization, awareness of the broader trends that uh, I, I talked about earlier, and um, and how the the overall uh, brand value and organizational value comes along with the the increased exposure there. And so there's uh, just a, as as a few examples. So obviously you can you can track the the Google Trends and um, and traffic around. Uh, different search terms associated with the company and associated with the, the trends involved in uh, in the company. You can also tie things it, using tools like um, uh, TrendKite is one that I, I like to use quite a bit that does a, a very good job of tying um, media exposure, both both earned media and paid media, into uh, the valuation of that exposure—they um, uh, use uh, um, uh, ad equivalent dollars as a way to put a valuation on that. But there's there's uh, some good tools out there that that can help you um, uh, at least um, put a um, uh, put a trend or understand how the the brand building and value building efforts uh, have. Um, uh, are trending or are, are making an impact on the overall organization.
2: Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. I, I think uh, th- that's a great uh, and relevant piece of advice there, Ryan. So which is, yes, obviously as a marketing leader, you'll feel pressure to show how you are moving the needle for sales as well as for the corporate objectives, but there, there are also the non or non-tangible activities like brand and this is where things like tracking PR, tracking social media uh, awareness or the relevance, I think these all come to play. So yep, I think those are great pieces of advice there.
0: All right. That's wonderful. Thanks for sharing that story and then expounding upon that with other quotes and insights. So now let's shift into the third part of the podcast. This is the closing best practice takeaway for our audience today to learn something that they could apply to their life as a best practice. So Ryan, we're excited to hear what you think is the best Practice, whether in sales and marketing, and why you think it's important.
1: Yeah, I think um, uh, from a best practice standpoint, uh, the the thing that I always like to keep top of mind uh, beyond what we've already talked about here it is, uh, and this applies uh, both uh, across sales and marketing, and and hopefully the those two organizations and um, and efforts are are very much aligned the best practice is really uh, always having a laser focus and very clear understanding on the health of your sales pipeline, Uh, the sales and marketing pipeline. I'm including both in that, but all the way from the top of the funnel, all the way down to the bottom. Um, Closely related to that, of course, is having uh, a very strong understanding of the buyer's journey. So, from the time they understand that they have a problem that uh, your company or your product or your solution can solve, all the way through to uh, the time they uh, the time they buy the product, buy the solution, buy the service, and then on uh, and then into the usage and uh, optimization of that uh, of that product, having a very clear understanding of how that buyer's journey happens, and then. Um, in particular, the, the the key questions at each stage of the journey that the buyer is, needs to answer for themselves. So, do the understanding that they have the problem in the first place. Sometimes that's very clear. Sometimes that's not. Um, awareness of the solution and how that solution can actually solve the problem. Then getting into the details of how the how a particular product or solution can solve that problem and how that would how that looks in their organization or in their life or in their daily activities uh, all of those things have direct relevance to the health of the uh, standard sales pipeline so of course everyone uses different stages and in, uh, in conversion ratios in, in the stages of the pipeline but understanding that buyer's journey as it relates to moving through those different stages of the pipeline is critical and it's it's not something that's static, especially these days where um, everything is dynamic and you you have to continually evolve what that buyer's journey looks like and um, the the key metrics that measure the the health of your sales pipeline.
0: Thank you, Ryan. I love how you bring up as a best practice the idea of keeping the importance of the buyer's journey in mind as you go and market and you sell and being aware of the different stages. From a marketer, it's all about making sure that you market differently at different times to different people based on where they are in the journey. So you're not sending them a top of the funnel kind of message when they're already now in the middle of funnel evaluating final options to buy. It's a different message at that point. So thank you for sharing that. And actually, you're the first one. That I can recall that's actually brought up, usually when you think of pipelines, it's like, oh, sales, sales, sales. What's your pipeline? Who are your clients that you're bringing in? And I never heard it referenced in terms of, well, there's a marketing pipeline as well. So maybe can you elaborate for people who haven't th- thought of a funnel in terms of a marketing funnel? Maybe elaborate a little bit more on that and how you view a marketing funnel?
1: Sure. Yeah, I I think of the the marketing funnel uh, beginning as when um, uh, when a prospective customer first learns of our, a, a company or a solution, and so that could be uh, that could be on a website, it could be on a webinar, it could be at a trade show, whatever it might be. Um, when does that first contact happen? And and really, that top of the funnel um, element of most sales and marketing funnels from the, the time that, that the first contact happens through to uh, the identification of a sales qualified lead or sales qualified opportunity where you can have a very clear understanding that there is uh, a very clear buying need and there's budget for it and the, the uh, project is is approved and can go forward. And so um, that top of the funnel, if you will, is what I think of traditionally as the, uh, as the marketing funnel, but it really starts with um, when that first contact happens and even before then, um, how, you, how you make that first contact happen. Uh, through all of your different marketing channels and marketing initiatives.
0: Yeah. Thank you for explaining that. All right, Vijay, what say you? Any thoughts or questions for Ryan on on this part of our best practice uh, closing takeaway type angle? Yeah.
2: So great stuff, uh, Ryan. Once again, I think those two best practices that you shared are very relevant, especially again, going back to what we discussed earlier, which is how you make marketing a revenue center versus a cost center. It's actually almost an imperative for marketing leaders to follow those best practices. And when you are sharing the buyer's journey and what you're doing there, it actually brought back my memories as to what I was doing earlier as a product marketing uh, uh, leader, as well as a marketing leader, which is how are our buyers evaluating our products how are our buyers evaluating the competing solutions and even prior to that what discovery and what research are they doing in terms of finding answers to the questions so i essentially laid out that entire buyer's journey along with the list of questions for each stage and the output of that translated into the content, either in the form of an ebook or a white paper or doing something uh, with an analyst and publishing an analyst report, as well as doing pitch ticks and the competitive battle card, right? So I think yep. you brought up a very good point there. A question to you uh, How often do you actually revisit? analyze, research, and refresh your buyer's journey? So uh, that uh, it's very dependent on the, the type
1: of product and the, the company in the industry. Of course, it's different with a um, consumer software as a service tool versus an enterprise software or uh, a consumer wearable device like I'm doing now. So all, all of those things um, have uh, direct relevance here. Um, in, in the case of a uh, consumer, uh, consumer SaaS play, you're evaluating that uh, just from a data analytics standpoint. You're seeing that on a, um, on a monthly basis, if not, uh, if not at a more granular level. Um, in, more, in the enterprise space and in the consumer wearables and hardware space in general, where sales cycles and, um, and uh, decision cycles are a little bit longer, then you're looking at the the quarterly to um every six months or so revisiting of the um of what the that buyer's journey looks like and um and then also double checking that the the kpis associated with the health of the pipeline are uh dialed in like they should be
2: yep i agree with you i think it all boils down to uh, the type of industry that you're in as well as the buying cycle. And something else as a best practice uh, that I would like to share with our listeners is I also, when I was doing my buyer's journey exercise, I actually involved the customer success and customer support teams. Because think of it, I mean, in today's world where it's like a SaaS uh, business model, it's imperative for people across the organization, to be dialed into not just what the buyers and the prospects are doing, but also what our customers are doing. I think you raised that point earlier, Ryan, and mm-hmm. I just want to kind of emphasize that again for the listeners.
0: All right. Great. Anything else you want to add on that, Ryan, or should we move into the, the summary part of our podcast?
2: No, oh, I, I think that covers it really well.
0: All right. We are now going to conclude the podcast with a nice little summary. We want to thank Ryan for sharing all this great wisdom around those three seconds from the quote, the personal story, the closing best practice. we now like to share with you our concluding summary of the show and really recap a couple key points that we think stood out that are worth learning and applying today. We'll have Vijay lead us off. I'll share a little bit of color if needed, and then we'll give Ryan the final word. So Vijay, why don't you go ahead and lead off here in closing our 19th podcast. What's the summary or some key takeaways you think should stand out for our listeners?
2: yep as always i always summarize in uh, terms of three so the top three i would say the number one being always pitch the bigger picture it's always about how you help your buyer see the bigger version for themselves right that's number one the second is around how you're evaluating your marketing activities and priorities as you're doing those make sure that it's in line with your corporate objectives for the current quarter as well as for the upcoming quarter so that that's the second takeaway and third i would say is always 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 keep an eye on the buyer's journey because at the end of the day it's all about empathy and you have to have that view and perspective from buyer's point of view
0: thank you for that BJ. yeah ryan it was wonderful everything you shared really good insights that you can definitely all of us apply to our life to further hone in on our skill set and what we're doing i really like the fact that you start off with make sure you're always clear on the vision of when you're marketing and selling to make sure that people see the bigger picture really it shows you as a leader and as you're as you're a mover and shaker in the industry you're a change agent and in essence it's helping convey the message that come join us we're part of of a bigger picture that you can join the ride on and be part of uh, what we're doing to help you be more effective in the future as we lead the industry, which I really, really like. I also really appreciate Ryan, uh, the fact that you you talk about make sure that you don't just do marketing for the sake of marketing. So just don't be busy spinning your wheels. It's kind of like that whole fun quote about ants building uh, anthills. You're like, uh, yeah, but are they they're busy, but are they busy doing the right Things so, thank you for for sharing that. I really enjoyed the, the the point that you brought up in the funnel and making it from a marketing funnel perspective to think about the buyer's journey. So so, thank you for that. So, Ryan, we're going to give you the final word. Uh, any uh, final thoughts you'd like to share with our audience? To you think it'd be helpful for them to walk away with?
1: Yeah. So this this has been a lot of fun. Thanks again for having me on. I, one final thought is just. Um, In terms of quotes and lessons learned and best practices, uh, those things are always evolving, particularly in in this environment as new technologies evolve, new marketing capabilities evolve, and of course, um, uh, new market dynamics always evolve. So uh, never stop learning.
0: Yes. A leader is a reader. So thank you, Ryan. You nailed it. Hence the importance of listening to podcasts like this one. So Ryan, thank you for being on the show. It's been an honor to have you and we want to thank all you listeners for joining this podcast, the winning combo. We hope you enjoyed it and it's been helpful to you in your sales and marketing career.
2: Yeah. So thank you once again, Ryan. I think you shared great piece of advice and nuggets over there for our listeners and listeners. So do stay tuned for our next show and follow The Winning Combo on LinkedIn, Twitter, and Facebook.
0: Till next time, keep learning and keep winning. Thanks for listening to the podcast, The Winning Combo, your home for wisdom on marketing and sales success. Featuring your host, Keith Washoe from Research Triangle Park, North Carolina, and VJ damo from Silicon Valley, California. Stay tuned for the next show and follow The Winning Combo on LinkedIn, Twitter, and Facebook for free content and the latest podcast episodes to help you be a winner.